And now it's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're really glad you tuned into the show today. Hope that you can stay with us for the whole hour. We're on till 10 o'clock Eastern time here on We Are Just Christians. And this is a live call-in show. For those of you who are new to the show, we'll be giving you the numbers and the contact information here in just a moment. But uh, the show We Are Just Christians is about being just a Christian, trying to introduce this idea to this area and to people to get them thinking, I think, hopefully in the right direction, that our our service to Christ, if we're Christians, is not to be based on the traditions and ideas of human beings, but based upon the scripture and being just a Christian. There were In the first century, there weren't any different kinds of Christians, and we're trying to go back to that time. We believe we can do that by a, a simple and careful reading of the New Testament. And we invite all of all of you to participate in this by calling the show. We would particularly like to invite those who are not Christians or have had bad experiences with Christianity or who are even unbelievers. We'd love to hear from you on the show. And you're more than welcome to participate. We like to have a discussion. So if you want to call in uh, and reach the show, uh, you can do so at 772-340-1590, 772 772- Three four zero one five nine zero is the number here in Port St. Lucie, and uh, Ray there at the station will patch you right through to us. We'll have be able to have a conversation. There is a slight delay, so hopefully we don't step on you too much, but we'll be patient with each other, and we'll give you the last word. We're not here to argue with you. We're here to discuss. If you'd like to disagree, please feel free to do so, or we may disagree with you, but we're not going to take advantage of you or try to embarrass you or something, so please uh, please call the show. We'd love to hear from you. We did get a, a letter, uh, an email, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. But you can reach us by phone at 772-340-1590. We each have text numbers, Gary and I do. My number is 772-260-6120. That's how you reach Mike by text any time today or during the week, 772 260 Six one two zero and Gary's text number is seven seven two two six zero six two two zero seven seven two two six zero six two two zero. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Good, good. My <coughs> name if, is, if I can keep my voice. Well, <laughs> that's probably true for both of us. My name is Mike Schmidt, as you probably heard. I'm the preacher, one of the elders for the church here on Savona Boulevard, and Gary Jones is the other elder here in the church, and we uh, bring you this show. Uh, so that we can, as I say, talk about the fact that the New Testament is the way to find Jesus Christ, and it's the way that the church ought to be, ought to operate, ought to ought to uh, do its do its uh, work in the world, and it's the way we as individuals ought to live, laid out for us through the teachings of Jesus Christ and his apostles. And that's one of our presuppositions that we believe we can defend. Everybody has presuppositions. And uh, we will def- try to defend that, and, and we point you in that direction. So when you call the show, if we have a discussion or give you an answer to a question, we're going to try to point you to the scriptures, various scriptures that you can look up on your own and, and then decide uh, what you think is right about that. Because the Bible was written to be understood. It was written for each of us to um, 
take a, to, to read and understand and then try to form our life around that, the principles contained in it. Well, along with that, the Old Testament forms the background and gives us a pattern and teaches us uh, many things in life about the new. And so we believe in using the whole Bible with the emphasis on the on the law and the teaching contained there by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So anyway, that's the basic premise. <clears throat> that That is on the table as far as discussion, anything going on. We talk about a lot of things on this show, if you haven't ever listened, cultural things. We'll probably do that today, specific Bible questions about different topics. Some of them may seem a little bit esoteric. We take questions on pretty much any subject. Um, and so let me give the numbers one more time, then we'll get to the email I got, 772-340-1590. Now, um, Jerry's on the phone, so... We may have to let's put this email off. I just saw that. I apologize. I just saw that Gary pop up here. So let's take a question from Gary since we do promise our callers first uh, first crack at the nut, as they say. So anyway, go ahead, Jerry. Are you there? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. I was wondering about uh, in the 60s, the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. I know a Methodist uh, pastor was the author, and I just wonder if you could uh, – Power of Positive Thinking, if you could just uh, briefly introduce us to the author, and he was uh, a, a Methodist pastor. I, I know that, but I, I can't seem to remember his name, and uh, and just, I know it's a very successful book, and was it in the uh, late 60s or early 70s that this book came out? But uh, I just wonder if you could uh, introduce us briefly to the author, and I'd like to listen off air, uh, Mike. That's, that's, that's okay. fine. That's fine, Jerry. Thank you for calling. Um, I, you know, I'm going to have to look it up here uh, if I can, because I can't. It's just it's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue who it is, and um, I just can't remember who it is. Um, Norman Vincent P. That that sort of sounds right. And I don't think it is. Yeah, it is Norman Vincent Peale. Thank you, Gary. Okay. Yes, he was a famous um, preacher, teacher at that time. And and I don't know much about him except that I think he was very progressive in his thinking. You know, and, and this is a there are a lot of books out there over the years. I, I'm I do a lot of reading, and you find that when you hear about a book. And you hear it then get sorted out in the common culture and talked about by a lot of people. And then you go read the book. You find out that it probably isn't exactly, well, often isn't exactly what the author is saying. It's been, it's been uh, changed, diluted, or altered, or, or some salient point brought out that the author really wasn't making. You find that's true in a lot of cases. Book's almost and, your age. I think it came out in 1952. That's the year I was born, 52. So it yeah. may be my it's 70 years old then, close to 70 years old. And it has a, had a pretty wide impact. Now, what do we think about the basic premise of positive thinking? Well, I'm positive things are going to go wrong. That's the extent of my positive thinking, Gary. I'm, I'm pretty positive things will go badly if they can. Huh. I'm positive Murphy's Law is in effect. I know that may sound like a joke, but there's something to that. I don't think that positive thinking is the answer to everything. Well, I'm positive that Jesus said, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. 
the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. I'm pretty positive about that. There are a lot of negative things in the world. And I guess my point would be about how we should think about them. Yes, we should. We should have a positive attitude as Christians because we know that the God of the universe is a just and righteous God. He is an all-wise God. He loves man and has our best interest at heart. But And so I'm positive that in that sense, good will prevail. Will good prevail in my lifetime or in my particular life? I don't know the answer to that. And, by, if by, and of course, you have to define what good is. Does good mean me getting my way, things going swimmingly for me, nothing bad ever happening to me? Well, I'm 100% sure that's not going to happen, hasn't happened, and isn't, and that is not what the Bible promises you if you become a Christian. In fact, if you read the Bible, you see that the people that serve God the most are often the ones that suffered the most. Okay? I don't think the suffering was caused by their service to God, but we find that, that serving God did not protect them from suffering. And so that's, and I don't know how I can change the world just by thinking positively about it. On the, go ahead. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That seems to kind of sum it up to me. Well, yeah, there is a lot of trouble in the world, and it, and it, uh, it comes to everybody. The promise that, that God makes is that he'll be with us in that difficulty, and he is on our side in that difficulty as long as we're serving him. As long as he, just as he said in the verse before that, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then his point was, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Right. I, I think it's what he's, what he's really after. Well, I, I think there's also, and I think p- probably, Gary, I have a little bit of a, <clears throat> so I would think I'm realistic. I have a little bit of a cynical side to me, of course. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm a positive person, somewhat optimistic. I see, I try to find the best in people if I possibly can. But I think my cynicism comes from the fact that this doesn't always work out so well. But the truth is, as I've gotten older, I've become more of a believer in the fact that you, you, you do much better and the world works better and you are better off in your heart to try to find the good in people, to try to find the good in situations, and maybe to, as this book, that's just a blanket title of the book, think positively about it, try to turn what is bad into good. I think in treating people as as good, even if they haven't proven it, generally speaking, that all works out better. Now, you can get burned easily, of course, doing that. It may be foolish sometimes, but and I'm not saying it's 100% of the time you do that, but that works out better. And I would... Um, well, it's hard to do sometimes, Mike. When Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, but when you have responsibilities of a family and things like that is... As a husband, sometimes that's hard to do is not worry about tomorrow. Well, yeah, you, you, you have to you have to make plans for tomorrow. Yeah. But being but being but being anxious or being the word the word there in the King James is translated careful, full of cares. Yeah. Letting it burden you down. No, that is unproductive usually. And you have to make plans for tomorrow, realizing that your plans may get altered at any moment. And your plans may not even work. Even if you could carry out your plans, they may not work, may not be good enough. 
And then, then you have to t- counter in the, take into the fact that you can't always carry out your plans. Well, and so, if you, it's 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 a balancing act between having care and not because basically that care for tomorrow or that worry, if you will, depends on how somebody wants to define it, is actually the motivator for making those plans that take care of things that you do. Right. Someone uh, said, so some of it's good, a lot of it's bad. And well, you have to make your plans knowing that you're not in control yeah, right. and God and God right. is in control, and, he, and you have to realize that, and that's what James 4 says. Uh, John texts in, always plan for the worst. The worst usually does not happen, so you're prepared. And, and what happens, I've seen in dealing with people and counseling people over the years, people are worried about 10 different things that could happen tomorrow. And none of those 10 things happen. That, well, they can't, they can't all happen, for one thing. And usually, oftentimes, you nothing happens that you have in mind. Something else happens. Something else happens. And That's so you, you just no use in you getting so freaked out or worried about it that you damage yourself and others. Or Satan's trying to push you to make poor decisions, evil decisions, and to take up things to calm yourself. Like that's where people get involved in drugs and alcohol and, and intoxication. Uh, he says bad things are going to happen no matter how you think uh, it, and what you say. The name it and claim it movement that your words have power concept uh, disappoints many people. And, and I believe that that's true. I was going to get to that. This idea that in religion now that if you just name it and claim it, God is kind of honor bound to give it to you. Just say what you want and claim it in God's name and he's going to give it to you, I believe is unscriptural. You can't, it's not what the scriptures show us in the lives of the people that are there. And God is not bound to us in any way. He is a free person to do what he wills and his will is superior to ours. So rather than name it and claim it, I think we need to have confidence and faith in God that he will do what is best for us. And that may not always work out to our benefit uh, so, you know, he, someone says here, uh, John says, buying life insurance is worrying about tomorrow. Well, I would agree and disagree. Buying life insurance is trying to look out for tomorrow. I don't know that buying life insurance is worrying about tomorrow. Buying life insurance is planning and thinking ahead about the inevitable and taking and it's maybe an element in taking care of your responsibilities. That's what I was Okay, that's today. What you don't buy but you life, don't have to worry to buy life insurance. You don't buy life insurance for your own benefit. You buy life insurance for the benefit of others. Right. And sometimes you find out you still can't control uh, what you have in mind. Now, there's two verses I want to get to here real quick and then we're going to move on to something else, but um, the um, uh, if and I don't know whether we're still on the Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, we're well, talking about that, but we may have drifted away from the original question. I'll just tell Jerry, if he's really interested, look up Power of Positive Thinking in Wikipedia. There, there's a long article with a little bit of the history of uh, Norman Vincent Peale and one of the funniest cartoons about positive thinking that I've seen in What's a it long say? Well, describe it's, it. Yeah, I can describe it. The cartoon is an engineer describing a humorous cartoon. This should be right. good. Oh, this is Go going ahead. to be great. <laughs> <laughs> there are three golfers and they're standing at, at the tee and the flag is way off in the back and they're going to have to cross a water hazard. And uh, two of them are dressed in shorts and then, t-shirts and so on and they're looking out across the water hazard but the third one is dressed in scuba gear with a mask and tanks (laughs) (laughs) he knows right right he knows yeah Uh, that's right so 
positive. I'm positive that I can, I'm always positive I can get it over that water. Yeah, but I'm positive that I'll sometimes have to wade too. A- anyway, two scriptures I want to look at real quick that deal with this. Number one is in Philippians chapter four, a verse that I'm trying as I'm working on being a Christian here in my old age to really get a better grip on and learn better than I have. I've, I've worked on, I've talked about scripture many times, but what's, I'm trying to verse? make it what's real. I'm sorry, first, beginning in verse 8. Of course, he tells us that uh, before you get to this verse, to pray, to be anxious for nothing, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. The word there, anxious, is this word we, call, some versions even say, do not worry about anything. Yeah. Or it's in King James, be careful for nothing, full of cares. Careful doesn't mean cautious in the old King James version. It means full of cares or worry. Be anxious for nothing. There's a difference between thinking ahead and trying to plan and take into account bad things happening and being anxious about that. That's two different things. But be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So first, the key words there are everything. And the prayer and supplication is by, is praying to God, asking for God for the things that you need. And you do that with thanksgiving, which is the antidote to worry. <clears throat> the antidote to worry and stress is thanksgiving. And you let your request be made known to God. And if you do this, then the peace of God, that's the wholeness of God, the fe- feeling of wholeness and completeness of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, that verse 8 and 9 <clears throat> that you're talking about is one of my favorite two well, then, verses. Then you, right. Then the next verse is that Gary saw about verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the peace of God will be with you. Those two verses are... They're a cornerstone in our yes. faith, aren't they? Uh, yes. Our personal happiness. Well, actually, general. they're a cornerstone of how we approach life. They should be. And I, and I think... I would say that although I don't endorse everything in Norman Vincent Peale's book as a a philosophy particularly, it it is uh, one side of being a Christian. I do think that these verses are about positive thinking. What they're saying is, oh, no, don't just go through life ignoring troubles. What it says is if you have to – when you can choose about what you're going to focus on and concentrate on – Look for the true, the noble, the just, the pure, the lovely. Now, I did a class on uh, did a class on Wednesday night, Gary, when you were sick here. Uh, I took, did a class for the at the church building, and I talked about Halloween. Somebody asked, "Well, was Halloween a good thing for Christians to do or not?" So I did a class on that. One of the points I made, one of the objections I have to modern Halloween, not Halloween like it was when I was a boy, but modern Halloween. And a lot of modern cultures, beginning in like maybe the 80s or 90s, is that it focuses on the ugly, the macabre, the disgusting, the crude. It focuses on all of those aspects of life. You go from cabbage patch dolls to garbage pail dolls, okay, in our culture. And everything has to be blood, gore, the macabre, the ugly, 
the disgusting, the putrid, and and so much Halloween is that, and horror movies are that. Now, in a big, broad sense, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch those things per se, but in a big, broad way, when our mind gets focused on those things, we are moving away from Christ, not toward God. God is God's will, and for us, is truth, beauty, justice, those kinds of things. They go together. Love, not that which is ugly and negative and complaining and whining and murmuring and unthankfulness. All of those things should be driven from the Christian's life and mind. We will deal with those things enough as it is without having to drag them up and hold them in our hands and focus on them. That's my view. So I've I've tried in my own mind, since I tend to sometimes have a negative, critical nature of things. I was always the better negative debater than affirmative debater in college. Um, I think it's better for me anyway to think about the verse there that you you you. I'm glad I think I'm glad you agree, Gary, because I think those are important. Those, those are very important verses. And I I think we should spend more time. When we have a cho- when we look at things, look for that some things that are true and focus on that. And and of course, and now we get involved in all the cultural and political stuff. There's so much that's negative. No, look, you have to you have to be critical of that which is false and ugly and disgusting. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to be discerning and critical. But if you spend your whole day well, what's that old saying? If you wrestle with a pig, you're going to get yeah, up. Yeah, you're muddy, going to get up right? And and so you you have to wrestle with pigs cautiously. I think it was Winston Churchill, and he may have been copying somebody before him, expressed concern before the Second World War during the Second World War that wrestling with Hitler was going to make was likely to dehumanize and make all of England more savage and, in and some engaging ways the it, enemy. And in some ways, it did. It does. It's it's the nature of things. It does. Uh, when you look at uh, the bombing campaign that went on England versus Germany, there were some pretty brutal things done there. But then both sides did them, and sometimes to win— That's it, what's necessary. That's but what's I, I know that I see I see this, for example, in dealing with many uh, policemen and soldiers. By necessity, their, their job—and even lawyers—by necessity, their job involves a lot of the crueler— worst sides of life, the worst sides of people. And I'm thankful for those people's willingness to put their life there with that. But it, it unless it's monitored, it can lead to some very uh, disturbing personality traits in those people unless they're aware of that and do something about it. That's the damage that's done by evil. Don't blame the good people who are trying to fight the evil who get caught up in it. I'm blaming the wicked people who bring it about. But positive thinking, yes, you're always going to be better off to approach life positively and bring that where you go around. You're, you're going to be you're going to be treated so much better by everybody around you all the time when you're positive. You walk up to the clerk and say, hi, how are you doing today? You set a tone for a transaction that you don't get by walking up and complaining about everything around you or the scowl on your face or something negative. You set a tone for your own life. So, yes, there's great power in this. And the truth is, Gary, you and I, as believers, are positive that God is with us and he is going to save those who he can. And in the end, we're positive that good will prevail. In spite of everything that goes on in the world, 
I'm very positive that eventually good will prevail just as God wants it to be. And I, I hope I, I think when I see that, I'll be willing, I'll be happy that it happened that way. Also, like you, Mike, I, I need to make a disclaimer here because I'm looking through this this article on Wikipedia and I've never read The Power of Positive Thinking, so I don't know. I've read some it. of it. It's been so long, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I, I suspect I do not agree with everything he says, and I'm certainly not in agreement with everything that's in this article, but it seems to be a fairly well-rounded article on him and the book. In, in, in Wikipedia? Yeah. yeah so, so I'm not doing – I don't want to be overly critical of that article like someone might. On the other hand, I don't think that we need to just accept – this concept that all oh, Christians should always everything is happy if you're a Christian and all that kind of thing. I, I just don't think that that's the way it is. Now, I don't like this time of year because I, I have I, I like to watch movies every now and then, particularly westerns. And Mike, I just can't tolerate horror movies. It's just not in me. Well, Man. I I know I, my granddaughters like horror movies somewhat. A lot of young people do. It's a big thing today, and somehow it came up in conversation yesterday. I said, I hate to tell you, but I just have zero interest and in, almost tolerance for horror movies because they just they don't do anything good for my soul, my spirit, my attitude. They don't help me. They make things worse for me, and I have avoided them like the plague now for a good portion of my life, horror movies. Uh, I mean, I'm t not talking about when I was a kid, I watched the old Frankenstein movies, old Wolfman movies, and they did enough to me, much less all those ones beginning with Third House on the left and The Night of the Living Dead. Now, we're going way back there. Thirteen goes. <laughs> yeah, but see, that, I don't even know. that I left it all behind because it doesn't bring out anything good in my heart. It doesn't bring me closer to good and to God to do that. And I get, and I don't find any benefit to it and I don't recommend it to people. I'm good. Now you can take for what it's worth. You can think I'm a, I'm a crazy old man or just an old curmudgeon, or you can say, well, he's a wise old white haired person. Fine. But I don't recommend that you get caught up in horror movies and horror stuff. This is not fitting with Philippians chapter four, in my opinion. That's I'll just, just that's to just say, me. Okay. Yeah. But, I think there's some validity to what I'm saying. Right. I and, wouldn't be saying. And in general, I think there's probably one exception, and Sharon and I watched it last night. It was a movie, from, I think it's from the 80s, I'm not sure, called Casper. Have you ever watched that? No. It's it's It takes you back to your 1950s Halloween childhood. Yeah. Basically, I used to have some comic books about Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and it's it's a cute movie. And it has some good I don't morals. think the movies I'm talking about are cute, Gary. No, these aren't. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll say right. this one might be, you know, something that you could get something from. But in general, they are not in any way beneficial. I don't think so. Because it brings out the ugliness of life. Right. And most people today do not need that at all. Now, uh, John texted in, uh, read Luke 12. And and this is, and we'll read part of that. I think we will go there and read some of that, Gary. And okay. if you don't mind doing that, because I think it is a little bit in this idea of positive thinking. I, maybe it does. <clears throat> One from the crowd, verse 13 of Luke 12 says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You know, I could go way back up through this chapter 
and talk about negative, positive thinking, but I won't. But he says, uh, after the, this man tells Jesus to divide his inheritance, he says, the man who made me a judge or arbiter over you, take heed, he says, and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them of the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Now, you know, that's pretty typical. The ground of a rich man <clears throat> yielded plentifully. It doesn't start off by saying the ground of a poor man yielded plentifully. Okay, so here we go. The ground of a rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? I'm so rich, I don't have where to put all this stuff. He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Pretty positive statement about life, right? He was feeling right. pretty positive about life, wasn't he? But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all those things be which you have provided? So here's a man positive about life, thinking positively, and he's dead before morning. Who is everything going to go to? So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God is like this man. Then he, tell, then he goes on to say in verse 22, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which, and which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? This is another parallel to Matthew 6. It's very, very parallel and so That's forth. It. So he says, God will take care of you in verse 28, O ye of little faith. Now, <clears throat> do not have an anxious mind, and he says, seek first, in verse 31, the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. As a matter of fact, that's exactly the phrase that's in uh, exactly that Matthew right. 6. So now this is, this tells the Christian, uh, now you, there's a lot of ways then to apply this to this topic of positive thinking. This tells the Christian that we can be positive about life. That's where I started out by saying, I know as a Christian and my dealings with God and reading the scriptures that God will take care of me. Uh, I'm now the point of uh, old age uh, basically, and uh, things are, what's going to happen to me and Judy in the next 20 years if we live that long? I don't know the answer to that, but I know that God will take care of me. Well, I ha do I have enough money to retire? The answer is no. And, and uh, will I have enough money to retire when the time actually is forced upon me? And the answer is probably no. Okay, so, but what should I do about that? Just merely go on my way. No, make the best preparation you can, remembering all the while that God's in control, and you may not live till tomorrow to see these preparations take place, right? Right. You may not, so the, you can be positive, though, that God will bless you and take care of you and the ones you love if you're a Christian. Will he do so in the manner to which you're accustomed? That's the question. That's really the question we all have. Will God? We, we do we trust God? Uh, uh, yeah, but do we trust that he will take care of us in the manner to which we are accustomed? The answer is you can't trust God for that. Well, it, he'll take care of you, but not maybe not the way you want. Well, and, and God may ask you to, you know, do things that uh, 
and and he asks in a way that that often we can't refuse. Um, people worry, and, and we're getting back into the subject of why do bad things happen to good people when we start talking about these things. That's part of the that's part of the that analysis of the book Power of Positive Thinking. Thinking. Yeah, because it doesn't take into account. Some people said that very problem. A lot right. of bad things happen to positive thinkers. See, what we don't realize is God may ask you to be in a situation, and he's not testing you. He's testing somebody else to see what they will do. Right. And that's right. – we have to understand that. Um, Job is a good book for that. Um, positive power, positive thinking, you need to go and read Ecclesiastes too. Uh, so right. we, we've touched on all of well, these. Well, this book is like – this book, Power of Positive Thinking, Gary. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but it seems like – it's a little bit like the book um, – what's that Dale Carnegie book? No, I just lost it in my head here. Um, how, how to Win Friends and Influence people. people. yeah. Okay. Criticism back and forth about that book. There, there's a lot of good things to learn from that book. It's It's been very influential, and, and I think deservedly so. Carnegie's book has, but I think some of the some of the problems with it are like this book: is that in in reading it, people then take the wrong message, try to make a universal application across everything, and it doesn't work very well. But the power power of positive thinking, as long as you are willing to understand that bad things do happen to good people, and when they do happen to you, you need to think positively about them. That's what I would say. When it's not the power, not the, the power of positive thinking, is not is not the power to make everything work out beautifully in your life, and you'll never have any problems. That's what people are looking for. But the power of positive thinking is that when you have difficulty, which you will, positive thinking will get you further and help you through that better than negative thinking. Yeah, Does that make any sense? Right, so, right. There's a, it's the understanding of how to use what the knowledge. How to win friends and influence people can be used for a lot of wickedness and to make you just a shallow charlatan and a, and a user manipulator. Or it can be used to inf- influence people for good and to expand your influence for good over people. Yeah, and yeah. so you can use it how you want to. And and that, that problem of selling all these good things, uh, if you become a Christian – you're you're going to hear that on Sunday morning television a lot. You hear one that's of the, what Christianity is yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, you hear one of these guys tell you that become a Christian and everything's going to be fine and work out for you uh, on this earth. Beware, this man does not know the scripture. No, that's that's that that's the name and claimant uh, type gospel that uh, John referred to, texture referred to, uh, the name and claimant kind of thing. Well, interesting question. You know, I, I just thought of something. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Jerry mentioned this. Uh, Jerry had a question. I ran across it cleaning my cleaning my desktop here um, the other day, and I ran across a file that get, he asked a question. Yeah, here it is. He asked a question about demented and dementate, I think it was, a long time ago. I'm talking about two or three months ago, yeah. Gary. I'm not even sure you were here that day. And I don't remember. I don't know whether Jerry remembers this, calling in, asking about dementate. And I was unfamiliar with the word dementate. 
And I looked it up after I, we got off the air, looked it up that afternoon. And uh, demented comes from the same root as this word. And to be demented is to be, is from the Latin, the word D, the prefix D in Latin, D-E, is like descend. It, it means to go out of or out of or from. So in taking Latin, you learn this prefix, D means from. And so we get descend, to go down, to go away, you know. Um, uh, and in this case, demented, the word mens, M-E-N-S, then, is mind. So to be demented is to be out of your mind or away from your mind. And so we see this uh, before us, ever before us in the news every day. <laughs> The word demented in even more so to be yeah. out of to be out of one's mind or not in your right mind. And then it came to mean insane, kind of that kind of demented, more so than just someone who is like old and doesn't comprehend things as well as they should. Dementate is a version, a French version of this word, which means to be deprived of reason. A demented dementate sinner is to mean to to deprive someone of reason as a verb or a noun to an adjective should be to be deprived of reason or mad as it were. Now we use the word mad in colloquial English today to mean angry. Mad simply means out of your mind. Of course when you're angry you kind of go out of your mind sometimes. You lose your sense of reason and self-control. So all these words are related. So yes, Jerry uh, they are. I don't know if I gave you an answer that day, but dementate and demented are related words. One is more from the Latin, and one is from the French version of Latin. Uh, there, that that I just don't know. I don't remember ever hearing the word before he mentioned on the air, and so you were able to stump the chump that day, Gary. And, and uh, but I looked it up from, and you see it being used occasionally. It's a very rare word. And uh, it seems like some would say that we live, Gary, unintentionally in an age, a demented age, because the, the age we live in has abandoned reason purposely, because once you give up the fact that there is such a thing as absolute morals or reality, that there is no such reality, that we can all make up our own reality, you have left the area of reason. You literally have left the area of reason when you say that each person can make up their own reality and decide if they're male or female or a tree or a dog or a human. When you say that that's what it is, you are literally living in an age of unreason or madness. How long will this last? I don't think it's going to last too long because human beings don't function in that way. It's interesting that in order to prove to you that there's no such thing as reason, people use reasonable arguments to do that. Isn't that now, that, 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 it makes, that is funny, as it were, but it really is telling that in order to convince us that there's no such thing as truth, they try to tell us something true, that there's no such thing as truth. And they appeal to our reason while they're attacking the concept of reasonableness. Because, and the people who attack reasonableness are people that want to change the world in ways that it can't be changed or in evil ways. Uh, it's, all, it's all done by various kinds of utopians, those who think that we can somehow, by passing laws or by 
following this movement or that movement, create a utopia on earth. Christianity is not about creating a utopia on earth. It's not a utopian movement in that sense. It is about changing individual people into the likeness of Christ. Well, I, I, keep, and, think, and I keep it, thinking about people who say, this is my truth. Well, there's only one person who has really my truth, and it is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is your tr- is truth. It's truth. So Jesus can say that. God can say that. that. But that's the problem with humans saying my truth is everybody gets their own. So, yes, this is almost the literal definition of demented or dementate, the age we live in. Well, and see, we're seeing the results of this all around us. Well, I kind of saw mad as being not so much as being angry to the extreme, or but more along the idea of being insane or unreasonable. Uh, I, I guess I grew up in college reading Mad Magazine, and I don't think that's what it meant when it said Mad Magazine. It doesn't mean angry. It, it means crazy. It means crazy. Yes, but I think com- I was saying in the common usage, oh, I'm mad at somebody. What yeah. you're meaning is you're angry with them, and that may make you act in demented ways or unreasonable ways. Well, We've apparently got- Jerry's called back. Oh, okay. Okay, Jerry, y'all, are you there? Uh, yes, guys. Uh, my question a number of weeks ago was about Catherine, because I had to stroke, I, I had trouble expressing myself, but Catherine Dementigy and Catherine White, I wondered if they were one in the same, and uh, did it have anything to do with Roman Catholicism? Uh, uh, but I uh, it, I did ask about, you know, uh, being demented, uh, yeah, uh, but I was wondering about those two people, were they one in the same, and did have anything to do with uh, Roman, uh, Roman Catholicism? Rome, you know, and uh, so the name was Catherine Dementici, and I hope I pronounced that name correctly. And uh, I just wondered about that. And I'd like to listen to Raphael, Mike, if that'd okay, be okay. Okay, now uh, I, that may be—you you may have stumped the chump again. But let, let me see if I can find out about that because I—I I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm trying to say that off the top of my head, I know who you're talking about because I don't, I'd have to think about, I may have without realizing it, but uh, I'm not sure Mike, but I think they're different people. I'm trying to verify that right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dementige. I just, it's a Spanish word. I just don't know much about it. I have to do some more looking. Could not say, but I, I thought that you were saying this Dementate or demented and the, I don't know who it is. So, Jerry, let me think about it, and I'll try to find you an answer to that question because I don't know unless Gary knows right now. Uh, and, I'm close. And, and, and I never I never say I don't know. They are different people. They, they are different people. They okay. lived at different times. Um, again, if you want the broad brush, Wikipedia gives you uh, the quick turnaround on both of those. Uh, one of them, I believe, was Italy, and one of them was something else uh russia okay so um I, i'm not going to go into the detail but it is there to be found uh and they are two different people they lived about quickly looks like about 200 years apart someone said jerry must have been watching dan dan brown movies <laughs> <laughs> that's the, what's that name of that movie he, uh, the uh oh now i can't think of the, i saw it um that the dan brown conspiracy movie but anyway uh, I don't know about that, but uh, it's possible. 
anyway. All right. Well, let's move on a little bit. I think we do have a. Uh, you got a question. You got a. Email uh, question. Email question. Well, let, let's look that's at right. that one. All right. Let me give the numbers and we'll go to the email. Uh, you can reach We Are Just Christians at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number. And uh, we'd be glad to have you call in and, and talk to us. Maybe you can help us straighten us out here a little bit about a few of these things. If we're messing up too bad, Gary and I are, if we are not trying to. Um, Catherine de' Medici was French. Oh, de' Medici. There, that's, that's, I recognize that name. Uh, that's, that's, she's French. Catherine the Great was Russian. They lived about 200 okay. years apart. That, if that's who you're talking yes, I'm familiar with both those figures. I just wasn't catching who it was. De' Medici is uh, related to the famous family in Italy. Mm-hmm. The, the Medici family sponsored some of these Renaissance artists and so forth. But she was originally French, and but that family was yeah, also tied it? in with French. The French right. royalty. Right. She married into the Italian family, I think. She, okay. All right. She was originally French, but married the Italian family. I okay. I think so. I know there was a, a lot of uh, interbreeding going on between all those European monarchs and families, even some of the Russians. Catherine the Great, I think, was German, and became Probably the was. Empress of Russia. I believe she was German. There's a great movie about her, a Russian movie, Gary, called Ekaterina. I, it's probably somewhat historical. Beautiful, beautiful movie called Ekaterina. Um, if this picture is... Or TV show, I should say. Yeah, they have some pictures of her in the Wikipedia thing. Well, I didn't say she... Well, she was beautiful in the movie because you just don't put ugly actresses as your lead actress. But uh, they, Well, she's, uh, these pictures are all older. Yeah. I mean, they're not... Anyway, uh, let's go to... Um, let's go to your question. Yes, let's go to the question, which is, well, why is not why is it not right in front of me? That I, I think I sent it to you last night. But yeah, me, I have it right here. I okay, read, read it. it for me then. Uh, I, I have it right okay, question, question for the radio show. Was turning the water into wine the first miracle of Jesus, the first one recorded, or the first one in Galilee? That's a quote. Okay, so the question is, this miracle in Cana of Galilee, was it the first one recorded, in other words, or was it, I would say there's three questions here that I'd like to see answered. Is it the first miracle ever that Jesus did? Is it the first one recorded, or is it the first miracle in Galilee? Is that maybe, Do you think that's the gist of the question? Yeah, there, those aspects of the question are there. Um, I, John 2 is the only reference that I can find in Scripture to this event. Yes, it is a, um, it is a reference. It is only found in John 2. And it's spoken of not as a miracle, but as a sign. Well, I think they're pretty close. It's, they're pretty close. But that, that's it, just a different way of saying a miracle. It's, a, but, it's a something. A sign is something that's supernatural that points to something else. And, and the Gospel of John was more about signs than the other three Gospels, but John 20, and I want to point out, John 20, 30, and 31 is really the theme of John. And it says, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, okay? Uh, so we have to look pretty carefully at what he says in chapter 2. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the central theme of the Gospel of John. 
So when we read John, we need to understand. Now, I I went to the definition of the word because it it didn't say first. It said beginning was the translation, and that seems to be what the Greek word uh, actually points to. Well, the beginning would be the first. Well, it says a commencement or a concentricity chief in various application, applications of order, time, place, or rank. Uh, so it could necessarily not be yeah, but chronolo- I don't think chronological. It, I don't could, think in the usage of John 2, I can never get that this is the most important miracle he ever did uh, and or that he did. It's, it's obviously, since it's in John 2, at the very beginning of his ministry, this is the first. I mean, it's almost been universally taken, Gary, down through time by commentators, for whatever that's worth, as the first miracle that he did. Yes. I, okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Not, not the most important in rank, but the first miracle that he did as the beginning. As it, and that's why I said that as the beginning. See, the word arche, it's the word arche in Greek, which we would get arch from, like archbishop, primary, first. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, when in, in the book of John, in chapter one, yeah, in, the, well, in was, the beginning was the word. Yeah. Well, the, the word arche is the beginning there. Yeah, in John 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Those two beginnings are the same, same word. word. That's sure. John 2. says this is the beginning of signs that Jesus so he's did. So talk, he's talking, I think, chronologically here, most more, most likely. Although it can't. Now, I'm not disputing that it can be used this right. way, because it is a, a few times uh, in the Bible. First meaning preeminent. I would, I would say the implication the implication is all in that direction until more comes to light. Now, now the question is, that's right. I think the, it, it, that to be the most basic reading of this. This is the first sign that he did because he he makes the statement here that my hour my hour is not yet come to his mother in verse four. Right. He is saying, I don't know if it's time for me to begin doing miracles. That's how I take that. And that's how that's the con, that would be the context of the conversation. She's saying you need to do something about this, and he's saying more or less it's going to take a miracle for me to do something about it. My hour has not yet come, and then she just turns and says, "Whatever he says, do you do it?" Mary's telling him, from what I I was reading about this recently, um, it is time. This is a good op- Jesus. This is the opportunity that you need. This is the time. There's a crowd There's here. There's a crowd here. You need to do this. And it's not a huge crowd. It's not public, as it were, in the sense of out in an open square. But he's it, got a lot of witnesses. But there's witnesses here. You need to do this for me. And and it would and, and some people think this is one of his one of his family members getting married. Now, that's that's why him and his disciples and Mary are all there. The real question is why is Mary there? Why are why is she running this thing? Is it one of Jesus' sisters getting married? Okay. Or one of his brothers getting married. That's what some people say about this. Of course, now there's no there's no textual evidence of that except the fact that Mary seems to be somehow in the center of this wedding preparations, wedding. She's thing. the provocateur of it. Well, and, and yeah, it's not like she just rose up in the, in the middle of the crowd. Some people say, well, no, I've it, always thought maybe she was just there and came to him and said, you know, you could do something about this. Others have said, no, she was probably had something to do with putting this wedding on, or at least was the mother of the bride or the groom or the aunt or somebody here. There was a need, and she had the influence to, to go take to care of it. Yes. 
And, and so he that's what I think he's at the at the beginning. Part of my reason for thinking it's the first sign is because it says my hour has not yet come. And <clears throat> and we know this is in Cana of Galilee. It's, so this is early in his ministry. Yeah, on the third north. day was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So we know where this is. Yeah, and I was just going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm... No, 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 no. I, I don't mean it that way. I mean, it's interesting because we were there in Cana uh, in, when I went to Israel a couple years ago. And you go through this little town, this little rough-looking little town. You're on a bus. And I see in all these shops there, and up on the second floor, a couple of the, on the corner there, were these um, mannequins in wedding dresses up on the glass windows in this one shop, so-and-so's wedding shop, uh, bridal shop. And I thought, oh, look at that. I told you guys, look at that. And, and then she says, this is Cana, Mike. I went, oh. Yeah, this is where all the, the weddings. The, occur. This is where they have they do and they do. They have a lot of Christian weddings in this little town of Cana. People go there to have their weddings. I never knew, I never knew that, but leave it to a businessman. Probably a Jewish businessman owns these places. Figure right? out how to make yeah, a buck. Figure out how to make a dollar off these Christians coming to Cana to think about weddings. And then I read the other day in Biblical Archaeological Review that some scholars are now saying this isn't the right Cana. Of course, that's what scholars do, Gary, is they have to have some new thing. They have to prove the other scholars wrong. So there's always something, you know, it's all, I don't think you should read those kind of magazines and immediately jump the conclusion. The new guy is right. Um, that isn't at all <clears throat> what it's like. But I, if I got the gist of the question, I think this, I would say, I don't, Gary can speak for himself that this is the first miracle that he did. It was in Galilee, so it was the first miracle in Galilee. <clears throat> but I think it's the first miracle he did overall, and John records it here. The other Gospels do not record this miracle. And John records it because he's concerned about signs and miracles. Yes, now we should talk a little bit about the difference between us. Sign, a wonder, and a miracle. <clears throat> Pardon, I have a little frog in my throat, but... They're all the same thing. They they all ref, they're all pointing to the same act. An act, a, 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 something that happens historically, can be a sign, a miracle, and a wonder at the same time. A sign refers to what it means. A miracle is what it is. It's something outside the realm of the natural order of things, where nature has been, natural law has been suspended or amended or whatever you, however you want to put it, it doesn't follow along the natural, water does not turn into wine in a matter of seconds, okay, or however long it took, and turn into good wine in that way. It might turn into wine if you put some wine in there over a period of months, but it does turn into good wine instantly. So that's the miracle. It's something outside the bonds of nature that point, that point to a supernatural intervention. And this pointing to a supernatural cause is the sign. It's pointing to, it's a sign, shows you something. Here, look at this. It says, it says Grand Canyon. That's a sign. And you know that the Grand Canyon is not, the sign itself is not the Grand Canyon. It's pointing you to the Grand Canyon. So here's a miraculous event that's pointing you to the one who did it, saying this man is something. He's different. He's, he's supernatural. A wonder is something that makes you go, wow, what, what does this mean? So these miracles 
had this effect on people. Well, who is this man? Don't you remember reading several cases when Jesus does something? The crowd says, who is this? Just yeah. doing this. The, the Greek well, word that's there, the wonder. Yeah, Strong's defines a Greek word there as a an indication, mm-hmm. especially ceremonial, ceremonially or supernatural. So this this miracle, a miracle that occurred, was an indication. Was an indication that the one who did it was supernatural Natural. and should be listened to, should be paid attention to. That's why the apostles did miracles in Jesus' name later, so the people would pay attention to what they were saying. The, they would they would see the miracle and listen to the words that the apostle was speaking. That was the whole purpose. That's exactly yeah. what John is saying in in uh, verse thirty. Yeah. It? So it's not that signs and wonders and miracles John, are different things. They just have it points to the same event from different aspects. You, you really people need to understand that the things that Jesus did in healing the sick were not aimed at healing the world's sickness. They were aimed at exactly, exactly what John says in John 20, 30, and 31. Please mark those verses. It's ex- that's exactly right, Gary. They, they, were, they were not just for the purpose. If he came just to heal the sick, and that was his purpose, just to heal the sick or the blind, he did a very poor job because he left so many of them. And the apostles did a poor job because they left so many of them, and they didn't get rid of it, not even in their day, much less today. The, they healed it, and they had compassion on the people. They may have picked that particular person to do it because they had compassion on that particular person when they saw them. But they didn't come just to heal the sick. They came to teach about being saved, God's plan to save man. And the miracles they did when they found a person, had compassion on them, and did a miracle, that became a sign that you should listen to this man, Jesus, or the apostles. To find out how to be saved, and there so was that's a, the purpose. And of the there miracles. was a time period for those things, and that time period is past. Right, because now we have the written word. To yeah, we have the written word. Right, and we have so, the, that all these the miracle of this miracle that we read about that we're talking about points me to Jesus. It's a sign to me, even though no miracles are happening right now. That miracle still points me to Jesus. And uh, I think there's a great deal of misunderstanding about this out there. Uh, oh just, yes, yes. That's a that's exactly right. And and it deserve, we probably should spend another show on you know miracles ceasing and all that kind of thing. Uh, but that this this is the first one, and it is unusual in that this one is only found in John. What are the like eight miracles in John Book of John that he emphasizes? It isn't very many. Not very many. Eight, eight, less than ten, and yet the 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 book itself says. That he did so many, you couldn't even record them all. And all, all the things you should say about these miracles, you could never even record. Well, we've got a, a little over a minute left, Gary. So uh, just about a minute. I appreciate someone. I appreciate that. Uh, I think it came from Sherry in Georgia. We really appreciate you emailing us. You can reach the show by email at uh, justchristiansatatt.net. You may wonder how she emailed it. You can reach the show justchristians at att.net, and that may be the easiest way for you to do that. Email us anytime. You can text us anytime, 772-340, excuse me, wrong thing, 772-260-6120, or 772-260-6220. And we've got some unanswered questions. We need to work on those. We probably should, but we appreciate you uh, getting in touch with us. We'd like to invite you to take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. We are just Christians.com. Take a look at the website. And 
uh, we'll be glad to talk to you about anything that's on your mind. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you until next week. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie.